Let's Go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo. Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings with you. As Paralympic tennis star Dylan Alcott put it, the warm-up is officially over. It's time for the big show now. Absolutely. And of course, tonight it all kicks off with the opening ceremony. We'll see Danny DeToro wheelchair tennis and wheelchair table tennis. And Riley Batts, a five-time Paralympian in the wheelchair rugby. They are the two flag bearers. That'll be a special moment for them. Of course, we got a sneak peek of the... Opening ceremony on sunrise this morning. It looks, uh, well, magnificent, albeit, of course, no one in the stands, but the uh, the choreography and the light and the sounds and the, the activity out in the middle looked uh, quite extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the opening uh, ceremony of the Olympics a month ago uh, was a bit surreal. There were some moments that I think took people by surprise. This looks like it's even going to be more surprising, more whimsical. Uh, to be honest with you, I was a little bit more impressed by the preview that I saw than, than what Tokyo managed a few weeks ago. It was terrific, wasn't it? So uh, we'll let you be the judge, but from what we saw, just a small sample size. Uh, we'll have something to look forward to tonight. Of course, that starts at 7.15pm WA time. You can see that on 7+. Plus. And, of course, there'll be uh, on 7 uh, after The Voice as well, uh, a replay of that. So, so much to look forward to as we get down to the business. And, of course, the theme of tonight, the opening ceremony, is moving forward. And we have wings, which encourages athletes to spread their wings no matter which way the wind is blowing. So they've got that uh, lovely um, correlation between what the athletes have been through and what they hopefully will achieve over there in Tokyo. And there are plenty of athletes to spread their wings, Skeet. 4,400 athletes will be competing in Tokyo, 179 from Australia. So we're sending a pretty big team and we're expecting to hear a decision today about whether or not there'll be crowds at the Paralympics. Uh, if there are, it'll only be school children in the stands, not a full house, uh, but around 2,000 kids at some of the venues like the swimming pool. Absolutely, and Along with the theme for these Paralympics, the launch of the We the 15 campaign, a 10-year campaign to make disabilities normal in society. It references the 15% of the world's population have a disability, 1 billion people. So it just shows you that uh, the numbers are there and we know that uh, despite the fact that the Paralympics hasn't always had the same coverage, the same profile, uh, as the Olympics over the journey, I think in the last 20 years, the recognition and those personal stories have really taken effect and people are, are so engaged with what's happening out there over the next two weeks. Well, I think it's a really interesting message to get across as well because it's about, I guess, normalising disability because so many people around the world uh, deal with those situations and it's about not calling people with disabilities inspirations or superhumans uh, and they just want to be called normal. They say people call us special, but there's nothing special about us. And it's an interesting one because I know... We we're guilty of it because you look at uh, what these athletes have overcome to get to Tokyo and it's not just in terms of their disabilities, it's in terms of funding because they attract a lot less money than the able-bodied athletes and it's it's hard for me to not to not think that they are inspirations and that they are superhuman. Like I look at what they do, I think it's incredible. Absolutely. Uh, so when we do say they're extraordinary or they're remarkable, it is done with the, the greatest of respect and uh, looking at the achievements they make and, and what they are able to do. It's just, it does uh, create a headline which I think is worthy of attention over the next fortnight. How will the Aussies fare? That's a big question. Uh, we've been top five for every Paralympic starting back to 1996. Of course, Sydney 2000, we topped the medal count with 63 gold. But 
We need to know for our listeners who exactly might be uh, finding their way into medal contention over the next fortnight. Well, I've got some hot prospects to run through for you, Skeet. In the swimming, we've got Ellie Cole. She'll be one to watch. In cycling, David Nicholas uh, and making his uh, Paralympic debut, Darren Hicks is expected to go pretty well. In the tennis, we've got the men's quad singles, the 14-time Grand Slam champ, Dylan Alcott, who I mentioned at the top of the show. He's defending his title from Rio. And athletics, we've got Todd Hidgets in shot put and 100 metres Rio champ, Scott Reardon as well. Yeah, plenty of uh, chances there for Australia. In fact, we'll compete in 18 of the 22 sports on the program. But, of course, enough of what we're expecting. We're going to chat with someone who knows exactly what it's like to be on the Paralympic stage, uh, been an absolute superstar of the sport and a Paralympian who's just done it all, let's be honest, uh, a champion of the pool, nine gold medals uh, next to her name as well as world records, world championships, also awarded the medal of the Order of Australia in 1993. We refer to, of course, Paralympic swimmer Priya Cooper, who is going to be part of the seven coverage of uh, the magnificent Paralympics, which begins tonight, and great to have her on. Let's go Tokyo. Priya, thanks for being part of the show. Thank you. You must be excited. Let's start off with the fact you're going to be commentating over the next uh, week or so for the Seven Network, so that must be a buzz for you. It is. I'm so excited. I, I kind of switch between pure fear and <laughs> and total excitement, so it's kind of one day at a time. But, uh, but no, it, it actually feels like I'm part of the team because we all feel like a team here, um, putting it together and, and it, the excitement and the, the buzz around this place is amazing because I'm in Melbourne. And, um, and and there's Australian flags hanging up and they've done that in the hotel and in the broadcast centre and it, it just it just feels literally like I'm part of an Australian team. <laughs> yeah, I've been following a number of the athletes on Instagram and watching their journeys begin over in Tokyo and it's very different this time around with the pandemic hanging over everything. How do you think they're going to be dealing with that? I would hope that they're just blocking it out. Um, but much like I am here in a way, because obviously obviously I've flown from Perth to Melbourne and I've flown into a lockdown, um, but I, I kind of don't even feel it because I'm so immersed in what it is to be Tokyo 2020, you know. I'm so immersed in the lead-up to this Games and then obviously tomorrow it kicks off and then we're really off and running. Um, I'd imagine that they're a bit the same. I'd imagine they're sort of so immersed in, in what they're doing that they're blocking out the fact that there's not their parents aren't there and the crowd isn't there. And I've, I've actually spoken to a lot of the parents um, and th- they're in constant communication with their parents you know, most of them, depending on their age, obviously. But they're, they're talking with their parents. They're keeping their parents. Their parents are telling them how excited they are and that they've organised to get together and we're going to have the viewing of the race. And so you, you've got to, I think, over the last 18 months, they've probably learnt a lot of skills to combat the fact that, yes, they're actually competing in a pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now... We know Australia's been so successful, top five nation, and and done so well at Paralympics, and we could get upwards of 100 medals over the next two weeks. But I know you're very much specialised in the swimming side of things, Priya. So give us your thoughts. We've just spoken about Ellie Cole and what she could potentially do, but can you uh, give us a heads up on, on who to look out for from an Australian perspective in the pool? 
Yeah, well, Ellie, obviously, um, it's, I just read an article this morning that said it might be her last game. So, you know, we'll be looking for her to, to potentially uh, definitely medal, but get that 16th uh, Paralympic medal. Um, but Brendan Hall, you know, he's going in for, I'm, and I'm sort of thinking race-wise, that's that's the first race on the on the thing tomorrow morning, on the calendar tomorrow morning. Um, Brendan Hall, you know, fourth games, like veteran of the sport, completely revolutionised his life and um, in the last kind of year or so and lost 20 kilos by going plant-based and just changed the way that he's doing things and, and he's an older, more mature, um, seasoned athlete now. And, and then on the other scale of things, and I will mention it because he is a Perth boy, we've got Ben Popham, mm. who is one of my favourites. <laughs> and he's racing tomorrow in the 100 metres freestyle. And, you know, imagine the excitement that he's got. And he's got it, he has to contain that excitement. These we got we got about 15, 16 debutantes on the swim team. So they have to contain their excitement so they can actually do the race and then deal with the process after that. But I say debutante. The debutantes at the Paralympic Games doesn't mean they're not debutantes internationally. Some of them have had that international experience. So they've got those experiences to draw on. And in talking about that international experience, that's been pretty hard to come by for Aussie athletes over the last 18 months or so. For some of the the true uh, Paralympic debutants this time around, how much do you think they might be impacted by not having that normal sort of run-up of world championships and international competition to to prepare? Well, look, it, it definitely would impact them, but every, it's been everyone's in the same boat. So all the swimmers from around the world have had, a similar we've probably been more on the lucky side i'd imagine obviously depending on where you are in, in um, australia but w- w- everyone's in the same boat um you know there's been lots most most of these athletes i would say not 100 percent of these athletes would have had to deal with the isolation the lockdowns the, these type of situations and seeing you know and realizing that they were meant to be going to this competition and swimming and and then not and where do they swim and we've, we've we've got um people that were training in lakes and in dams and we've got we've got amazing stories of cole pierce you know he's he's a his parents are dairy farmers and he had to train in the dam you know, he, he and he's now he's had to move around because he's every everywhere he went, his pool kept closing. You know, um, there's just I think that they're going. I think that every single athlete on this Paralympic team is going to look back on this and go, "Look, this was a bit of a hard journey to get here, but." Wow, do we not have a story to tell? Absolutely. And you sound as pumped as anyone, Priya, which is great, <laughs> given what's ahead for you in the next few days. Uh, of course, a three-time Paralympian yourself. Um, a couple of questions off the bat here. The coverage, how much has it improved since you started back in 92 with regards to what we see on TV and what we read about now? And also your journey in the terms of how did you get into swimming? And I believe your, your dad was part of the, the, uh, the process as well. Well, my parents kind of encouraged me to to swim um, because it was something I could actually do. And when I was at school, it was sort of more like teachers in a way. My parents got me. But I'm, we're Perth, Perth people, Perth girl. You, you grow up around the water. So you're, you're constantly in the water, at the beach, in the pool. And, and that was part of my life. Um, but then at, through school... Um, they encouraged me to actually do, you know, do the laps and get in the squad, and and it was a it was an opportunity for me to 
compete at a certain level against my peers from school. And and I, and I liked it. I obviously found that, oh, I quite like this competition thing, but I actually um, really quite like the training side of it. I liked what it did with your body and how it made you feel. And, and, so, and then obviously I discovered I was kind of good at it. But um, I, I just enjoyed it. And I can't remember the other part of the question, but um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what was the other part of the question? I think it was about the, the coverage and how much it's grown oh. since 92. And what's that? Uh, gee whiz, that's nearly 30 years ago. Oh, it's, <laughs> sorry to mention that for all of us. But no. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, but, oh, my goodness, it has changed so much. I was talking to someone just the other day and saying, we can, I can remember being at our trials to get to a Paralympic Games. And as we're racing, our races were always the last race of the, of the calendar and everyone had gone home. And um, and the, the cameras, they were packing the cameras up on the tracks next to the pool <laughs> as we were just about to race to try to make a game. You know, it, it was a bit disconcerting. Um, but it's gone from that to incredible. I mean, this is my, this is my second interview today. I've you know, done other things, and I and I'm the has been, but everywhere you look, like I'm going, I'm online doing all this research, and there's just articles, and people are talking to the parallel. There's all these interviews. I mean, for us, it's fantastic because we've got so much content. But then I look at Channel Seven and and say they're doing 14 hours a day, you know, and the Olympics was 16 hours a day, so it's basically equivalent. They're doing full coverage and when I go in and we're doing all this preparation because we've had rehearsals I can see the the commitment in the team that is going to put this to air from tomorrow or from tonight I suppose um, with the opening ceremony there's a true commitment and a true passion in the Paralympic Games. We're speaking to Paralympic legend Priya Cooper on Let's Go Tokyo. Yeah, well, you talk about all the people who will be watching the Paralympics this year, Priya. Like, I look at what happened at the at the Olympics a couple of weeks ago, and everyone was in lockdown around the world. The ratings were amazing. Everyone was just so obsessed with what was happening uh, at the Games. Do you think that could be the same for the Paralympics and that there might be a whole bunch of people who are now exposed to these incredible athletes uh, and uh, their journeys and their achievements? Because, you know, there's, there's really not much else to do, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think the obsession is there regardless of whether we're in lockdown or not. Um, but given that, people, you know, in certain states you can't go anywhere at all, um, yeah, I mean, we've got a captive audience. The people are in the house. So, and what do you do? You have the TV on. But apart from that, I think people are, from what the, the vibe that I'm getting is that people just absolutely cannot wait for it to start. Number one, they're interested in seeing what these athletes can do. Um, but number two, you know, it, it does, it uplifts you. It, it just makes you, you know, I'm obviously in lockdown and I don't feel it here. So, because I'm so immersed in what's going to come up in the next two weeks. Mm. And uh, one final thing before I let you go, uh, who, who are going to be the powerhouse nations to watch out for at the Paralympics? <clears throat> Us, obviously. Us? Um, goes without but, saying. Yeah. Australia, um, can, like, I'm talking swimming, obviously I've paid attention to. Um, Canada's um, sending a, quite a, a smaller team, so you know, but they've got a Sophie Pascoe who could potentially win sort of six medals, you know. Mm. Um, so... It, it, it's hard to tell um, who is, you know, obviously the Italians, the, um, 
the Brazilians and you know there's there's all these different countries but it, it also depends on who who they've actually sent I've only seen a few of the the start lists we've got our stars um, like Daniel Diaz and all that sort of stuff and that's this is this will be his last games um, so they're they're the kind of ones to watch and and you're going to see the passion in their eyes and and that sort of type of thing but a lot you know I just saw one of the swimmers post earlier that they, they're having their COVID test and things like that so you know if what if what if a swimmer tests positive who knows what's going to happen then Mm, absolutely Paralympic champion Priya Cooper thanks for joining us on Let's Go Tokyo we really appreciate your insights and like you we can't wait for the games to get started thanks Ben and Mark Aussies in action alright so let's preview the Aussies to watch in Tokyo uh, starting with Jake Howe in the wheelchair rugby eight years ago Jake faced the very real prospect of never being able to hold his own son just moments after texting his girlfriend, who was only three months pregnant at the time, to pick him up from a 21st birthday party. Jake was dropped on his head in a play fight with a mate on the Barrack Street jetty in Perth, WA. It was a freak accident. It left him paralysed immediately, and he spent the following months uh, well, simultaneously preparing for his son Lucas's birth, learning how to use his hands, how to eat, how to shower. Fast forward to 2020, and Jake is a World Championship silver medal on track to represent Australia once again at the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games, uh, where the Australian wheelchair rugby team, the Steelers, will be aiming to win their third consecutive Paralympic title. Then we've got Jeremy McClure, born back in 1987 here in Perth. He was an avid water polo and hockey player. He was diagnosed with uh, liver hereditary optic Neuropathy at the age of 15, uh, forced to accept the fact that he had become legally blind over the course of 10 weeks. He began swimming at his local club to help continue his sporting ambitions. Less than a year after he began swimming, Jeremy qualified for the Athens 2004 Paralympics. He competed in the 100 backstroke, the 100 metre breaststroke and the 400 free and achieved sixth in the 100 backstroke final. So a really great start to his Paralympic campaign over there. 2012, by the way, was a standout year for Jeremy after meddling in four events at the WA State Swimming Championships, a series of really good performances representing Australia, helped to solidify his place as a medal contender at the London Games. So Jeremy McClure, keep an eye out for him. Yeah, and keep an eye out for Alexandra Viney as well. Born in Tassie, she was a promising young rower throughout her high school years and then at the age of 18 in 2010 uh, Al survived a high-speed car accident caused by a drunk driver. Uh, the accident left her with lasting impairments to her left elbow, forearm and hand and she believed at the time that her her career as an athlete had passed her by but in May 2018 uh, she was asked whether she had considered becoming a para-athlete, an option that she'd never really thought of and then in November that year she began her journey uh, when she sat in a boat for the first time since her accident a second chance at her rowing dream and she was selected for the Australian senior para-rowing team in the PR3 Mixed Coxed 4 in February 2019. That May she made her international debut at the Gavarate International Para Regatta placing second in the PR3 4. She then placed fourth in the world at her first World Championships, qualifying for a place for Australia at the 2020 Paralympic Games. And outside of her training, she hopes to continue to raise awareness around road safety and mental health, women in sport and opportunities for people with impairment. So Alexandra Viney, an inspiration both in the boat and out of it. Absolutely. What about Ellie Cole? She's one of Australia's most recognisable Paralympians, but it has been 
Not very much a success overnight story, but a long haul for this young lady. The culmination of years of hard work began just eight weeks after her right leg was amputated when she began swimming as a form of rehab as a three-year-old. To continue to reach new heights, uh, Ellie relocated to Sydney from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland to train under Simon Cusack and alongside Olympic champions Kate and Bronte Campbell. So I'm sure she might have tapped into uh, their swimming IQ over what to expect in Tokyo. She'll be doing everything in her power to defend her gold medal at these games. So Ellie Cole, definitely a gold medal contender. Yeah, and we'll be watching very closely Lakeisha, Lucky Patterson. Uh, as a successful Paris swimmer, uh, Lucky, it's not about luck, it's about sheer commitment, <laughs> and that has overseen her rise to the top of her sport. She competes as an athlete with cerebral palsy after a stroke of birth, and she also has epilepsy and micrographia, and she was first introduced to Paralympic sport at a Paralympics Australia talent search uh, back in 2012, which is a pathway to finding that next generation of Paralympians for Australia. And the 2018 Commonwealth Games saw Lucky twice wreathed the top of the podium and again in the 400 metres freestyle S9 at the 2019 World Para Swimming Championship. So expectations are through the roof for her. Yeah, some great uh, contenders. Just some of those Australians to look at for at the Paralympics. So what's coming up? Well, of course, tonight. The opening ceremony, we touched on that, but tomorrow the action begins big time with the men's wheelchair rugby. Australia take on Japan 345. Jake Howe won to watch there. In table tennis, Australia's Lei Lina uh, is up against Brazilian's Jennifer Marquez Perinos tomorrow. That will be one to watch. And then there's the men's 400 metre freestyle heats. Australia's Brandon Hall and William Martin are in action. So the swimming starting to get busy as well. Yeah, heat up right from the start of the games. And the women's 400, as we just mentioned, Lakeisha Lucky Patterson and Ellie Cole in action. A uh, goal ball with Australia versus Israel at 6pm tomorrow. And this is a sport that many people might not be familiar with. Goal ball is a team sport played indoors by athletes with vision impairment. The object of the game is to roll the ball into the opponent's goal while the opposing players try and block the ball with their bodies. Bells inside the ball help orientate the players by indicating the direction of the oncoming ball. And everyone is blindfolded for fairness in case there's different levels of impairment. Amazing sport. Uh, looking forward to watching that one. That's going to be something to uh, to absolutely uh, engage with. And Thursday, of course, men's wheelchair basketball, Australia versus Iran at 1.45. And I did mention that's one of my favourites at the Paralympics, just the way they go about it, and uh, fearless, courageous, uh, almost no respect for themselves or their opponents. They just go hell for leather. Yeah, well, that'll be one of the absolute spectacles of the Games. Well, that's it from us on this opening ceremony day of the Paralympics. Join us again on Monday when we recap week one of the Tokyo Paralympic Games. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.